The new Lloyd Mr. Nissan is moving. We'll be temporarily relocating to the big blue building on Highway 16 West, formerly known as Border City RV. And before we have to tediously move every single vehicle on the lot, we'd rather sell it. You can save today on our incredible Nissan lineup of cars, trucks, and SUVs. Move a new or pre-owned vehicle to your driveway with deep discounts. The moving out sale is on now at the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. The new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. We won't sell you a car. We'll help you buy one. Local people. Local news and events. Local sports. Local matters. For all things Lloydminstern area, this is Live with Kurt Price. All right, ginger ale. Welcome inside the Canadian Brew House. We're just uh, getting we, set can, up can, here can to we go. order first? We, I want to order first. Well, let me let me just get this out hey, first, actually, okay? Ginger ale and steak nuggets, please. Thank you. Sure, all the same, but a diet. Coke. <laughs> what? Oh, show. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, welcome to the Canadian Brew House. It's Taco Boat Tuesday. Should be ordering tacos, but uh, uh, we want to invite you to come down to the Brew House tonight for the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers after a huge loss last night. Uh, Vegas be looking to get on track, and the Oilers looking to make it three in a row. And yes, it is Taco Boat Tuesday here at the Canadian Brew House. I'm Kurt Price. This is Greg Buchanan, both of us with the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. The new Lloyd Mr. Nissan has moved. We are now located in the big blue building on Highway 16 West. We invite you to come out and see over 100 vehicles, pre and pre-owned and new, all under one roof. Nobody's told Bucky yet. We got to relocate his office at some point. But I actually drove by the old store and the signs down everything. So if you're wondering, you drive by, you go, where's Nissan? We're in the big blue building on Highway 16 West. We're making it worth your while to drive out. You purchase a new vehicle, you're going to get free gas for six months. You're looking for tires, we have tires at cost. Come see us at the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan and do not pay for six months OAC. People, it's going to start getting cold out. The snow's going to come and it's going to be the wind and it's going to be minus 25 and after that, who cares? And who wants to walk around a parking lot? to look at vehicles under the snow. Well, you know what? You come inside to the new Lloydminster Nissan at the old Border City RV location of the Highway 16 West. Everything's inside. It's nice and warm. We even give you some popcorn. Yep, we've got popcorn right by the door there. And uh, we would love to see out at the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. This is our temporary location. Yeah. Going to be out there till March. But uh, we want to thank all our past customers. If you're looking for service, it's service, parts, and sales all under one roof. Now, let's talk sports. Here we go. go. It is a great time of year to be talking sports. Uh, about a week ago, I was out at the Grey Cup. Thank you to Paul Clausen, PWM Steel. Flew me out there. We had a fantastic a time. It was a great Boy. game. Wow. But as a Ryder fan, I couldn't win. Either Fajardo wins, yeah. and the Riders look like idiots for letting him and Jason Moss go, or Stinktown wins. Stinktown. So, you know, well, I couldn't well, cheer for Stinktown. I just couldn't. Rosetown was playing? Or, no, Winnipeg. Right, that's the other, uh, yeah, the other Stinktown. Stinktown, Winnipeg. Saskatchewan is Rosetown. Stinktown, yeah. Manitoba, outside of the entire province is actually Winnipeg. But now that the CFL season is over, we can start talking really, really about what's important, and that's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders head coaching position. And it's looking more and more like, and and more and more media sources are reporting yeah. that it is Buck Pierce and it will be announced very shortly, as early as tomorrow. We were hoping to have Jorgen Hoos uh, from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on just signed a two-year uh, contract extension. Unfortunately, we couldn't connect to this week, but we'll have him on the next show. Yeah, and you talk about a great show for football this week. We're going to talk to Brendan Escott in a moment about the Edmonton Oilers, but we're also going to ask about the Elks and their quest for a new stadium. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't think it was a big surprise that anybody, that that I don't think anybody didn't know that the Elks would eventually look at privatization Mm -hmm. for this. But it kind of surprised me when Rick Lollisher came out and said they need a new stadium in Edmonton. That was a bit of a surprise. Now, the other thing we're going to talk about is Tier 3 Provincials in Alberta, which we have a new champion 
and Lloyd. Mr. Vince Oreo is going to join us, and he's going to talk about that in just a few minutes. And Anton Amonrud is going to be joining us. Anton had a great year as the quarterback for the U.S. Huskies. We're going to talk to Anton about this past year, about living in Mason Nias' shadow, but also about his time in Lloyd Minster, and he looks back on it very fondly. He thinks this is a football town. And if you don't know CSI football, you know, the Mason Nias, you never heard that name before, likely will go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks in Canadian college football history. Not just in Saskatchewan for the U of S, but he was one of the best quarterbacks that that uh, CIS football has ever seen. Uh, by the way, he was on the bench for the uh, UBC, UBC Thunderbirds this... Uh, did you watch Vanny? I watched the Vanier I, Cup. I, I watched the last five minutes, unfortunately, but yeah. Yeah, and the big news for anybody who plays for U of S or even Regina is that 2025, the Vanier Cup's coming to cool. Saskatchewan, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's pretty awesome. But we've got Vegas and we've got the Oilers coming up. So why don't we start with some hockey? Let's get to Brendan Escott with 6.30 Chad. At Lloydminster and District Co-op, membership matters more. Because being part of a co-op means you're connected to something bigger than yourself. From long-held legacy by those who built our communities to people you call family, friends, and neighbours. When you're a Lloyd Co-op member, you're an owner in a local business that prides itself on purpose alongside profit. You earn cash back, you help support causes that matter most, and you're building a better way of life for the next generation. Membership matters more. Brendan Escott is the producer for 630 Chad's Oilers now, and he's also the host of the Elks Game Day. And uh, it is great to have him join us again. He is a Lloydminster alumni, and uh, he's got the old Oilers rocking today, and that's where we're going to start. How you doing, Brendan? Things are things are good, actually. A couple of wins in the Oilers' back pocket. Just spent the weekend in Vegas, as a matter of fact, which the uh, the Oilers will be playing on Tuesday night at Rogers Place. So uh, my spirits are high. Very high. <laughs> okay, so it's all right in Edmonton. I mean, Connor's got uh, 12 points in four games. They've won the last two. They have a shutout, so their goaltenders uh, seem to be uh, better. Um, it, it feels it feels familiar, though, Brendan. We've we've let our guard down on this before, but is this different? Oh, uh, boy. I refuse to let my guard down on this because they are still 7-12 and 1 through the first quarter of the season. That is that's not good enough for any team in the NHL, let alone a team that we all expected to see at least in sort of the Western Conference final picture. But you got to start somewhere, and they're creeping their way out of a very deep hole that they dug. Uh, we looked back, and I've got to credit Jamie Nye with this one from uh, from Regina. He said that it's been 20 years, and there has not been a team who at the American Thanksgiving mark was behind the playoff pace by points and the Oilers were 10 points behind who have ultimately come back to qualify for the playoffs so we're not talking about winning the division here we're talking about can the Oilers recover enough to maybe assume a wild card spot by season's end so one foot in front of the other here but those were pretty two uh, pretty important wins I would suggest certainly to end the road trip against Washington I don't know what kind of competition Anaheim is really right now. You see the uh, the two-point conversion up there on the touchdown, an 8-2 final. You kind of wonder. But uh, in reality, that's who cares how they're getting them. they got to accumulate Ws, and there's a couple in a row. I mentioned Connor's points. Does does he look different? Does he look like – like did it appear to you he was hurt and now he's not dealing with that anymore? What's changed with Connor? A hundred percent. And I don't have any insider information on this. They have been incredibly tight lipped and they've had to have been that that outdoor game, in my opinion, could not have come at a worse time for when he picked up that injury, because you can't tell me that he was healthy when he came back. He was healthy enough to play. He wasn't Connor McDavid, though. And we know that now because what we've seen over the last couple of games, it's different we were, we were sitting in the crow's nest and, and asking one another where gears five and six were because that's typically what's separating him on the ice from other players. And you just didn't have that separation. And then the dejection that was sort of, you could see in his face, they'd go down a goal and, 
And I don't, if I'm looking down the bench and I see that look on my captain's face, I'm a little bit concerned, to be honest with you. So there was, uh, I think, a lot there that was going on, both psychologically and physically, for the captain. I don't know that for sure, but that's uh, that's what I've seen in the game since, where it's like, oh, he is, in fact, capable of that 150-point mark that we it's an unbelievably high uh, a bar for him to hit. But if you think about it, Kurt, like a, a point a game season for this guy would be a complete failure, a complete mm. failure at this stage. So it's nice to see him back. Well, we saw St. Louis come back from being dead last. And I believe that their journey kind of started in Edmonton with a big win against the Oilers uh, that year. So you do have to start absolutely somewhere. Um, Evander Kane didn't have the greatest start, but man, has he exploded. Um, was it being put down to the third line that just kind of revved Evander Kane up? What happened to Evander Kane? He leads the league in hits. He's scoring like crazy. We're not too far off his hat trick. What has happened with Evander Kane? It's been unbelievable, really, since he's been in Edmonton. He's got nine career hat tricks, and six of them have come in Oilers silks between the playoffs and regular seasons. So this guy's really enjoyed playing in Edmonton. But I think it took him like a real long time to get healthy from that arm injury. Like we have to understand that when he came back way ahead of schedule last year. I don't think that arm was right to be shooting the puck like we know that he can. Uh, he wanted to be out there for the intimidation factor. That's my sense. And now that he's been able to round all of that back into his game, I mean, you've got somebody who's a de facto leader out there, in my opinion. He's an elder statesman on the team at 32. He's been around the block. He's not phased by any of the Edmonton media. Um, and this is, to me, exactly what they need. So you combine that, Kurt, with a guy that's willing to get in every scrum and, and just get into the guts of the game, the important parts of the game that are going to matter when it gets down to game 83, if you get there now. Uh, this is the exact type of player that they thought that they were signing a couple of years ago. And if he's only making $5 million and continues to produce like this, uh, that's not a bad bargain. The problem is he's such a beacon for referee attention. I mean, you can't go a period of hockey without this guy sitting in the penalty box just because everybody is so aware of his presence and what he's out there doing. So if you're pulling one from the pile, usually Evander's that one. Um, but you're right, as a wholesale sort of impact player on this team, I mean, he is he was a savior for several games there, and now he can go back to being a compliment while the true uh, big guns on this team steer it to where it's supposed to go. If this conversation has happened a week ago, we're talking about what needs to change in Edmonton. They need to bring some players in. They need to make drastic changes. Um, you said you're not sold on the two-game winning streak just yet. But uh, if if you had to make some changes on this team, are you still concerned about goaltending? Is that still the major concern? Uh, I am, but I'm even more concerned at the thought of spending all of the bullets that they have accumulated or have left. I don't really have much accumulated, but it's what they have left to bolster the rest of the roster. We spent an entire offseason and didn't spend two seconds talking about improving the goaltending situation. That was supposed to be set it and forget it between the two of them. Somebody would figure it out, right? And that just wasn't the case. So now the conversation had been shifted to, okay, well, if you have this year's first, Philip Broberg, Xavier Borgo as expendable assets that other teams want. Well, personally, I don't want to see all of that spent trying to fix the goaltending problem that you thought you solved when you signed Jack Campbell to, to $5 million for five years and then supplemented that with Skinner when he broke out a little bit too. So uh, I, I think number one priority for this team is to have Jack Campbell figure it out himself so they don't have to expend those bullets that they want to use to bolster the rest of the roster. They are not even close to deep enough up front for a playoff run, let alone to make it to the playoffs. So uh, come deadline time, even if you have the cap space to make the move, you have to have pieces that some other team wants. And right now that's not Jack Campbell. <laughs> They're not doing anyone any favors. So the thought of a, a guy with negative trade value, meaning you would have to partner a first or second round pick, let's say to get rid of Jack Campbell, you can't be doing that. You don't have that kind of luxury. So if he can figure it out himself, I really believe that's what they're trying to let ride out. And there's just not, like, unless you're going to be able to pull off a Carter Hart or UC Soros, I don't see where the true improvement is. How much better is Jake Allen than Jack Campbell? 
How much well, better is Peter Morazic than Jack Campbell? I just don't know at the end of the day. And this market specifically as well. As a Jack Campbell fan, I'll tell you a lot better. Jack Campbell's a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say Jake is a lot better. Sorry. Okay, let's talk about uh, – I, I want to ask you about James Hamlin. Here's a guy that's become an mm. Oilers fan favorite. Like, overnight, this guy is – all of a sudden, guys love him. Where did he come from? What's up with James Hamlin? So he was, I believe, the captain of the Medicine Hat Tigers and was a training camp invite a number of years ago to Edmonton. He's an Edmonton product, Southside Athletic Club, so he's got the connection to Stu Skinner and a couple of the other guys that were there. And and just a real feel-good story for a lot of reasons. He's one of the undersized guys that just keeps his nose affixed to the grindstone and who doesn't appreciate that kind of play. But then you listen to him talk in the media, and he is uh, – I Cam Moon and myself got to interview him for a segment about the Brick tournaments in the summertime on Oilers Now. And just the the memories that he had, and the, he actually was you – no, know, he had been at the Brick tournament. He went back to just check it out. You know, he loves the game. He loves the local hockey scene, and he's so humble about all of it. So – um, knowing all of this and then understanding the story, he lost his mom, uh, I think it was a year ago now or so. Anyway, he lost his mom to cancer and, and how heartbreaking a story that is. Potts' first NHL goal, we all know the celebration and how special that was. So, of course, that's going to help encapsulate a, a lot of um, the feel-good story. But really, he is he's a menace to play against. He is sort of what I think a lot of people wanted Tyler Yamamoto to continue to be. Yamamoto, theoretically, with a higher offensive ceiling, certainly. But Hamlin's difficult to play against, and I I think he's going to continue earning himself some ice time, even though now it's a coaching regime who isn't necessarily familiar with him. That was more of a Jay Woodcroft guy. As you look around the rest of the league, I don't know if this is true or not, but it looks like uh, Corey Perry could be on waivers. Would that be a guy that the Oilers would look at? I think that's the exact type of guy the Oilers needs. Uh, I think that he's making a lot of money right now that they're going to have to juggle around. I, is his contract not about $4 million or so? I, I thought have it was lower. Check. Yeah, I thought it was lower. The reason but... that I say that is because I know they signed Nick Foligno to about $4 million for the season just because they wanted to get up to that salary cap floor. Um Corey Perry is somebody I really think that they should have explored a lot more seriously in the offseason. It's no joke that he's been a part of Stanley Cup team after Stanley Cup team. Uh, he's impossible to play against. He's one of the biggest, uh, I won't call him a rat because he's, he's won a heart trophy. Uh, but in reality, people cannot stand the guy. And if you've got Evander Kane on the team, you may as well embody the villain role and uh, and make yourself that much more difficult to play against. So, listen, if there's a way that they can make the dollars work, that to me would be a serious boost. That's your well, – we now know they've missed out on Patrick Kane, who they probably weren't going to be able to afford. Yeah, so yeah. can you supplement the roster again in the lower part of the roster with somebody who has that Stanley Cup experience – and a bigger frame and maybe a little bit more to offer than somebody like a 37 year old Derek Ryan at this stage. I'd love to see them make a move if there's a move to be made for sure. A little surprised to see Patrick Kane go to Detroit. I mean, I don't consider Detroit a contender and I consider Patrick Kane to be a guy who would want to win the Stanley cup would want to, you know, at, coming close to the end of his career would pick a contender, uh, whether that's the Leafs or not, I don't know, but uh, you a little surprised to see him sign in Detroit. Very, very surprised. I guess the sales pitch from Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Larkin uh, must have been a real good one. And I guess if you're looking at the American connection there, that's probably what makes the most sense. I, I, I wonder if there was some, you know, family values. He wanted to play as close to Buffalo as, as possible. I think that's where he's from. Yeah. Uh, something along those lines, because the Sabres were actually a team that was discussed as a potential destination for him. I agree, though, Kurt. Like the Red Wings, is they've got a lot. Their um, contracts on defense, for example, they are overpaying pretty well everybody there. I don't really see them taking a huge step forward as a contender, even with uh, Patrick Kane in tow. So that was a little bit surprising, uh, without a doubt. Um, but hey, maybe he knows something that, that we don't about this this uh, Red Wings team and the push that they're going to try and make. Yeah. Uh, Calgary beats Vegas last night. Uh, Calgary seems to have turned a corner. All of a sudden, they're playing a lot better. Maybe it just took some while to adjust to the new coach. 
Uh, perhaps, yeah. I mean, they got to find some chemistry there. I think we, I don't know that I've ever seen a situation just kind of melt away like it did when um, Goudreau and, and Kachuk left there. It's like, okay, well, now who's going to be the main goal scorer? Now who's going to do all this stuff? Now who's going to help Elias Lindholm reach his full potential as an offensive player? Um, they have a lot of distractions going around that room right now between Zadorov's trade request and some pending uh, restricted and unrestricted free agents. And what I thought was really interesting is over the weekend, uh, it was reported that Michael Backlund, the captain of the team now, longest serving guy drafted in 2011, he went around the room or maybe even just to these individuals. But he's trying to quiet the noise. He's saying, look, like we're not going to we can't succeed if if there's constantly reports of of uh, now you don't want to play here. Now it's too much. So let's just shut that out. Let's try and get ourselves back on the rails here. And it appears that they've done a little bit of that. What What's the staying power there? I'm really not sure. I think we're all waiting for Dustin Wolf to kind of be handed the keys to the goaltending uh, kingdom there. We've now passed that American Thanksgiving threshold where teams will typically decide we're in, we're out as a playoff contender. So maybe we see them try and reshape a little bit more toward the future. Maybe we see one of these defenders who so clearly wants out of town shipped out and and, uh, a different piece introduced there. But um, I don't think that for one second, Ryan Huska is the problem, nor do I think that he is incapable of stirring that drink. He just needs some time. And it would be nice if Jonathan Huberdeau remembered that he is an MVP caliber player and can shoot the puck as well. He doesn't just have to pass. And for my final one here, let's talk about the Edmonton Elks. Uh, It looks like, and it's been rumored for a long time that uh, the Edmonton Elks will be looking for private ownership. Uh, I don't, I don't think that surprised anybody. I don't know if it surprised you, but maybe, maybe the big surprise came around Mr. Lawlisher talking about um, the need for a new stadium. I don't disagree with that. And then when I sat and thought about it, okay, you've got the biggest outdoor only stadium in the country and it's booked for 10 home games a year plus a preseason game. So 355 days a year, that stadium sits basically unused. And then you've got the fact that it's city owned and you've got a concession stand that doesn't generate the team any money because it's all run by the city. There's a lot that needs to be sorted out here. And uh, yeah, I think that it's, it's about time. Now, I think every team in the league could or could be privately owned at this point, but you've got to find people willing to take on uh, a league that has not, like if I have a bunch of money right now, I'm not looking at investing in the CFL. But if I am a longtime CFL fan that sees myself as maybe part of a solution or that sort of thing, then then it might be worth jumping into. I guess, Kurt, what really is... is um, Biggest surprise to me is I just I just don't know what they're going to do in terms of upgrading that facility. Now maybe this is where we see some of the divide between what Calgary got for their new hockey arena and what was allocated then to Edmonton as sort of a okay, well we'll give you some provincial money too. Uh, maybe some of that gets used to upgrade the stadium. I don't know how any of that works, but you're right. To me, I've been to McMahon Stadium. That's not a draw. No, no <laughs> that is certainly no. not a draw. I have not been to Mosaic, uh, but I understand. You know, even that was it was something that Lawler sure referenced. You know, these these are the kinds of stadiums that, that are the state of the art in Canada, so to say. And we've got some catching up to do. So uh, it wasn't built for football. Was built for the university at games and they've made a bunch of alterations to try and accommodate things but it's a little cavernous when you talk about twenty thousand fans inside a sixty thousand seat stadium so i was very very happy to see that they are going to uh, limit it just to the lower bowl and try and recapture some of that atmosphere that's been lost with everyone shotgunned around such a big place brendan thanks so much and uh, enjoy the hockey tonight thanks so much kurt appreciate the invite I'm Brian Zinchuk of PipelineOnline.ca. I used to be a pipeliner and I've spent the last 15 years reporting on energy in Saskatchewan. PipelineOnline.ca provides comprehensive coverage of light oil, heavy oil, lithium, helium, power production, including coal, wind, solar, geothermal, natural gas, and nuclear. There's a lot happening in Saskatchewan's energy sector and PipelineOnline is there for all of it. No one else comes even close. 
Welcome back to Canadian Brewhouse, where it's Taco Bell Tuesday tonight. And, of course, it's Edmonton Oilers versus the Vegas Golden Knights. That game starts at 7 o'clock. And, Buck, we should talk about some local hockey as well before we get into the Corey Perry stuff that developed today. And that is that the uh, Loymister Bobcats have a couple of home games this weekend. Yep. Uh, Short Park Crusaders in town on Friday night. And we got the Camrose Kodiaks in town on uh, Saturday. So Friday's the Crusaders. Saturday's yeah. Kodiaks, and Saturday night is the Teddy Bear Toss. Teddy Bear Toss. You remember how that works, right? You yeah. take a, you take your Teddy Bear down, Bobcats score their first goal, throw yeah. the Teddy Bears They'll on the ice, teddy bear too. and they go to the 43rd yeah. annual gift of Christmas. That's awesome. It's uh, a very good cause, and one that you and I have been associated with for, for years and years. Yeah, 30, well, being here, well, I've been here for 34 years, so yeah, pretty well since the day I came here. Yeah, yeah last yeah. 20 years yeah. uh, doing the gift of Christmas, and I know how important it is for our family. Yep. Speaking yeah. of families, it sounds like Corey Perry might have broke one up, but we don't know exactly what happened. We don't know. Oh, we shit. only know that he broke a code. He broke the Blackhawks code violation. We we know he did something he shouldn't have done. And, and there's lots of rumors. Yeah, there, there's and, lots of rumors. There's a lot of keyboard warriors out there that yeah. think they know more than everybody else in that Hawks dressing room, and, and it, it, it kind of pisses me off sometimes when people do that. There's so many, and if you go on YouTube, and here I'm just going to vent a little bit. Uh, there's so many of these hockey people that sit there and they call themselves hockey experts. I'm not a hockey expert, but I'm no more probably than you. And and why why do you go out there and think that you know more than general managers that have been doing this for 20, 30 years? And you're you're what 24 years old, and your your mom's basement doing a blog? Like shut up. Sorry. Okay, but here's the question. Like, I asked Brendan, yeah. and we were both contemplating because he does. Brendan was right. It's a $4 million contract. No. I don't think the Oilers could take that on. No. But Corey Perry would be, like Brendan said, exactly what the Oilers would be looking for. Yeah. He would be. He would bring some experience. He'd bring some intensity. And he's fourth in the Blackhawks in scoring. So, he, he, you know, he's what they're looking for. So do you claim him on waivers, mm. or do you let him see if he goes through see, waivers, yeah. and then they eliminate his contract? and then you can sign them for less money? I well, don't know. The, the question you ask yourself, if you're the Edmonton Oilers or any team that's interested in Corey Perry right now, how bad do you want him? Do you want him bad enough that you're going to claim him tonight? Or are you willing to sit back to see what happens so I get him a lesser price? So how bad do you want him is the question tonight. Or is it an Evander Kane situation because we don't know what Corey Perry did where you're going to face a lot of scrutiny because you pick up a guy who is coming from the Blackhawks organization and is coming off of something that uh, didn't look very, very good. Yeah, it, it's happened inside dressing rooms before. An incident in Philadelphia. Um, there's been incidents before. There'll be incidents again. Toronto. Yeah, Toronto. Toronto, so, an incident. Yeah, yeah. And, and the years thing, and years the, ago, the thing like I like about Corey Perry that he drags guys into the fight. We were talking off air, and Makachuk is on the ice with Florida, and what they did in Ottawa last night was pretty fun, where they had, you know, pretty well everybody in the ice got 10 minute misconducts, and Matt and Brady were right in the middle of everything, but they wouldn't hit each other, so it was kind of funny that way. But I love guys that drag guys into the fight. Corey Perry's one that, mouth-wise, physical-wise, he drags his teammates into the fight. And that's what the Oilers need, because when they've been struggling this season, they look disinterested. Nobody has a backbone. Nobody has physical. All of a sudden, you add Corey Perry, and he brings everybody into the fight. We got the Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights here tonight at the Canadian Brewhouse, 7 o'clock. I want to tell you about BioClean Disaster Services. Their commitment is to you and your family. Fire, flood, or disaster. Their commitment is to getting your family back to where you were before the disaster. You can't imagine the stress if it's never happened to you. But if it does, call BioClean Disaster Services. They know the taking care of your personal property, of course. Your, your property, your business is very important. But they also know how important it is to... Keep your family up to date on what is happening and get your family back to where they were. The other thing I love about BioClean Disaster Services, I just came from the Lloyd Mr. Regional Health Foundation and the Hoop Factory and their fifth live stream. Jody Herbis, Sharon Herbis, yeah. they're another big supporter of the Lloyd Mr. Regional Health Foundation. We know what they've done for yeah. sexual assault services here in Lloyd. You got their name on the pool. This is a local company. This is a company that believes in being 
you know, local yeah. and doing local and also taking care of their customers. one 246 8326 BioClean Disaster Services. When we come back, we're going to talk football with Anton Amrud. It's more than just taxes at LNA CPA. Assurance, accounting, retirement planning, estate planning, business consulting, financial consulting, farm program support, and bookkeeping. But yes, there is always taxes. The team at LNA CPA is committed to helping you achieve your best results and will be there to assist you every step of the way. LNA CPA, with offices in Provost, Vermilion, and Lloydminster. Anton Amanrud is our guest. He's the starting quarterback for the U of S Huskies. And in his uh, first season, put up some incredible numbers. And it is great to talk to uh, former Lloydminster Composite High School Baron, as well, of course, the starting quarterback for the U of S Huskies. How are you doing, Anton? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Very good. Thanks for doing this. Really appreciate you giving us uh, some time here. Um, let's get things started with uh, your first year uh, behind center and uh, maybe the pressure that was there. Did you feel some pressure that was there uh, because of the guy who was there previous? Mason Nyes put up some incredible numbers, almost did everything he wanted to do. And uh, you come in, this is your first year. Was there a little extra pressure because of you, the guy you were replacing? Yeah, no, there's definitely a little bit of pressure. Mason Nias had a historic career with the Huskies. He was he was a great leader and a great mentor for me. And he taught me a lot about the game when in my three years there with him. So it was it was it was a, it was a bit of pressure taking over for him for sure, but I felt prepared enough to go in there and do the job. What did you, what you mentioned you learned a lot from him. What what did he teach you? Honestly, he's the, he's, he's the smartest X's and O's guy in football I think I've ever met. He just knows so much about the game and the defense, and he's, he's really smart in the film room, and I think that, that really helps him on the field. He's, he's, a, he's a football genius, and he really taught me things like that in the film room, which was helpful. Going from uh, high school to uh, playing for the U of S, um, how big a jump was that? Like, how different was the feel of the crowds, the X's and O's, like how much do you feel you learned this year too, not only in the previous year, but this year as well? Yeah, no, it's, it's a big jump. The speed you notice instantly, you take your first snap and it's like people are moving pretty fast here and they're, they're big. They're, you got some grown men you're playing against compared to some grade 10 high school people. But so that, that's, that's a bit of a jump obviously, but through um, preparation and learning this year, I think just like defenses and coverages and just having a feel for the game, I think as the season progressed, I, I got a lot more comfortable with that and learned a lot more as we went on. Is it true you got in an accident on the way to your first game at, yeah. at, the, at the U of S? Yeah, I was on the way to the homecoming game. I was on the way to team meal and I got in a little accident on uh, Circle Drive just before the game, like two hours prior. How how bad was it? Like, was it just a fender bender? Or? Yeah, it was just a fender bender. It wasn't too bad. Who was at fault? Were you at fault? It was kind of both. It was, it was tight traffic, and I was trying to change lanes. So I was, like, looking over my shoulder, and then they slammed on the brakes in front of me. As soon as I turned my head back, it was just too late. Okay. Yeah. And then you go and you pass for, what was it, like 300 and how many yards and three touchdowns? Something, something like that. Yeah, I yeah. think it was four touchdowns though. Okay, did did you feel like there was just like they always say the left part of your brain has to be occupied or something like that? Did you feel like maybe that was what happened to make that such a great game? Like you think you'd have so much on your mind? Yeah, no, I think it was just the like ten thousand people there, the electric crowd. We had so many fans there. It was homecoming. The atmosphere was wonderful. And we started off super hot, and we just kind of carried that for the rest of the game. And it was it was a fun game. That was really good. Now, you you played with uh, some guys from Lloyd on the team. You had quite a few guys from Lloyd uh, on the team this year. Um, how comfortable is that, that you, you, you know guys immediately around the room? Yeah, I know it's nice. When I first came in here, I came with one of my buddies, Josh Dunham, who uh, later left the team. But... Then after that, we had guys like Lucas Seffrin, Clay Vetter, Xander Pierce. Those guys came a little later. And it's nice seeing familiar faces. Uh, and I knew some other people through other things, like camps and other things around, like Team Alberta. But yeah, it was, it was really nice. It was really nice with some familiar faces when you first come in, for sure. It makes it a little more comfortable. Uh, Scott Flory as well. 
well, well um, observed in the football world. Um, he's been mentioned as one of the best. And I know he even talked a lot, there's a lot of people saying, Hey, he should be the next Saskatchewan Roughriders uh, head coach. Uh, maybe tell us about his influence on, on you this year and, and, and becoming the starter that you were. Yeah, no, we went through a lot of ups and downs. My first couple starts there, I had, I had a little bit of turnovers, but we, we talked and he, he's a great leader, a great mentor. He, he trusts me and I trust him and, and what he's going to call, what he's going to do. And he, everyone loves him. Everyone runs through a brick wall for that guy. He, he's a great coach. And obviously you can see from his historic CFL career and everything, he, he knows, he knows football and it, and it shows he's a, he's a really good coach. Um, when it comes to analyzing defenses, is he the guy that helps you out or is there guys on the defensive side of that? And I asked that because Paul Waldo is a regular guest on this show. And uh, like, how much interaction do you have with the defensive coaches to, to kind of help you figure out defenses? Yeah, I know a little bit. Um, I go in there sometimes for, we go through some film meetings, like around lunch during the weekdays here before practice. And we, we talk, we talk film and defenses and everything. Uh, my quarterback coach is mostly involved with that, uh, Jeremy Long, but uh, Flory also sits in and we talk and he he gives me his insight on defenses and what he knows and what he's seen in the years past. And it's really helpful. And uh, now maybe a difficult question. Uh, what happened in that last game against uh, uh, U of A, uh, a team that they had to pick this year to be a decent squad. They haven't been one in quite a while, but uh, uh, what, 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 what was that game like? I, it wasn't on TV. I, I couldn't find it to watch it. So maybe you could just get your perspective on it. Yeah, no, Alberta, Alberta's a really good team. They have a really solid team. Uh, we came out, we came out hot in the first, in the first quarter there and football's a field position game. And they ended up sticking us in between our 10 and our 20 for the whole end of the first and second quarter. And that kind of got us behind the sticks. And then just a couple couple mishaps here on offense and defense, and it just kind of got us behind the sticks, and then we were trying to fight back as much as we could. But, yeah, it was really – I think it came down to a field position game, and Alberta's a really solid team, and they're a team with once they get the lead, their offense is designed to just chew up clock and run the ball and keep the sticks moving. And, yeah, it was – it was they, they got us that game. They were, they were a good team. Uh, what's the offseason like for you? Have you started training for next year already, or do you take some time? Yeah, no, you take about a week or two and then you get back in the gym. Our team lifts are starting again next week, this week, sorry. And yeah, we'll be we'll be back in the gym now. We're training and we continue to go through all the summer and we throw and get ready for the next season. How much are you looking forward to next season, considering what you've learned this year? Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. I'm ready to right the wrongs. Uh this year obviously was disappointing for us because we expected a lot more. That's kind of our standard now here. And we know that, so we know we're just going to work really hard in this offseason. I'm really excited for what we have next year. You have two years left at the U of S, right? So you'll be there in 2025. I have three years left. Three years left. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 2025, the Vanier Cups in uh, Saskatchewan, it's in Regina. Mm, yeah. That, that give you something to, to some more motivation? Oh, or, definitely. Or is that's, that too far down the road? That's a little far, but that's that's awesome. It's really cool seeing it in Regina. I think that's that's really cool. It'd be really nice to have it here in Saskatchewan. Is there a stadium you love playing in this year? Hmm. I like Winnipeg. Manitoba Stadium is really cool. It was really cool. That one was fun. It's always fun to play in uh, Mosaic as well. It's really cool there. That stadium's beautiful. What? what is yeah, it, it was really good. What is it like going in front of 10,000, like sold out crowds and you jump from high school where it's not, but all of a sudden, I guess last year you kind of get the feeling a little bit, but being out there, like it's gotta be intense. You're the guy, Anton, you're the, you're the guy. It's gotta feel, I can't imagine the pressure. Yeah, it was, it was electric. It was awesome. You could feel the crowd roar after every first down and big play and you knew everyone was behind you. So it was, it, it was a big momentum thing too. Like starting off the game so hot, three scores quick. The team, the whole fans were just into it. It was loud. The fireworks were going every touchdown. Like it's, it's, it was a great atmosphere. That was a really fun game to play in this year. Uh, Lloyd Minster has become a football city. It really has. Football has exploded uh, here over the last, uh, I would say, fifteen years, especially. Uh, given a guy like Rod Kirby, he really, really helped the the football um, programs here in uh, Lloyd Minster. What was it like playing football here in Lloyd Minster? Yeah, no, it was it was a great time. I started uh, I started all the way in QE playing for the Lloydminster Steelers, and I joined a year younger, so I was only eight years old playing in my first year of QE. 
And that was that was so much fun. So I started in Peewee, and then I went to Bantam, played for the Mustangs. And then, uh, obviously, I played midget at the Red Dogs with Kirby for a bit there. And then I played for the Barons in high school. And, yeah, it was some of the, some of the best uh, some of the best moments of my life. Uh, we won we won provincials in high school, and I won provincials at Bantam and Peewee, too. So it was just great memories, such like great teammates. We, we, had, we had some really good teams throughout those years, and it was, it was a blast. Is there anybody from Lloyd Minster that you could say, this guy really helped me, or anybody at all in your career that you look back at and say, this, this person really, really helped me out? Yeah, no, I had uh, two coaches in high school. I had Aaron Harper, who was my head coach, and my quarterback coach, Jay Kotchkiss. And he he helped me tremendously because before that, uh, my father was actually my quarterback coach, and he was a running back and linebacker. So he he didn't know too much about quarterback, so he was just searching up YouTube drills to try to help me throughout the years. But then Jay Kotchkiss came, and he played, he, played fo- he played quarterback sorry, his whole life, and he ended up playing for the Mount Allison Mountaineers for a bit. And he also was on the Huskies for one year. And he, he taught me a lot, honestly, for and prepared me for the next level. And I, I really appreciate that. He was huge. When did it start to get real for you, Anton? When did you start to realize, hey, you know, I, I have a shot to be the starting quarterback for the U of S Huskies or any university uh, team? When did it get real for you? Yeah, no, I'd say during grade 12 and 11, when I was in my heavier recruiting process and I started to realize that I really can take this sport to the next level and, and go perform at a university level and see what happens. And then coach Flory was, was very interested and he, he seemed super genuine, a good coach. So I, I wanted to be behind that. So I ended up joining the Huskies. And then as the years progressed and I realized Mason was in his fifth year and it, it, it's time to just show the coaches that I can be that next guy. And, that ended up all happening and it was, it was, it was wonderful. For those football players in Lloyd Minster, you've shown them that it can be done. Like you're, you're playing what is likely the hardest position in football. What piece of advice would you give to uh, football players in Lloyd Minster that want to follow in your footsteps? Yeah, no, just don't, don't let anyone try to tell you you can't play a certain position or you're too small or all these things and make sure Make sure you're putting in the work outside of football and school and life and and make sure you're you're watching film and working out and you're staying on top of those things and you're not you're not letting those fall behind the wayside and and yeah, just just make sure you, you stay consistent. If you if you believe in something, just go do it. <laughs> no one can tell you you can't. You get back to Lloydminster often? Yeah, no, I go every 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 year and then yeah, for sure. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um Thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. I don't think I have any more uh, questions for you. But is there anything you want people from Lloyd to know about Anton Amonrud hmm. that maybe I, I haven't asked you? I'm trying to think. It's a tough one. Like what if you were in Lloyd Mister on a Friday night, what would you be doing? Oh, if it's if it's summer, we'd be we'd be golfing with my friends. Uh yeah, we'd we'd be doing a bunch of outdoor activities. We'd be we'd be golfing. If it's if it's winter, we'd be going to the ODR playing ice hockey. <laughs> or basketball honestly any sport i love just getting out and playing sports and might mix in a couple of video games here and there on the weekends with the friends stuff like that for sure well anton thank you so much for doing this we really really appreciate it thank you so much i appreciate it our thank you to anton amanrud and our thanks to paul waldo and the U.S. huskies for setting that interview up for us as well we're going to continue the football talk in just a moment when we come back here uh, to talk about tuesday at the canadian brew house vince orio the provincial champion once again will join us here at the canadian brew house at jason Arden and associates cooperators we're proud to be a top-rated local insurance company that offers flexible solutions and expert advice for all your insurance and investment needs. We'll work with you to tailor your insurance specific to your needs, and we offer investment advice that always puts you first. At Cooperators, one of our core values is to support the communities we live in. When you support Jason Arden and Associates Cooperators, you are supporting local nonprofits and initiatives. Since 2020, we have donated 60000 to local nonprofits, youth sponsorships, and various special projects. When was the last time your insurance company did that? How can you help support the oil and gas industry and jobs in Western Canada? The answer is closer than you think. Sell your scrap metals to PWM Steel. PWM sells scrap iron to Evraz, located in Regina. Evraz's number one customer is the energy sector, building pipes and plates for the oil and gas industry. 
PWM Steel is your locally owned metal recycler and steel service center in the area. Plus, they're a strong supporter of the community. PWM Steel, your top steel supplier for Alberta and Saskatchewan for 40 years. At Diamond 7 Meats, we work with local farm families to provide a high-quality product and a great selection for you. Try our mouth-watering Smokies, pulled pork, roast beef, and more. Made pure and natural with no additives or fillers. We offer custom processing, and our experienced team works for you to provide a selection of sausage, burgers, and jerkies made to your specifications. Take your grilling to the next level with a Yoder Smoker. Complete the grilling experience with a Canadian-made, award-winning line of House of Q barbecue sauces. We're locally owned and operated, and we look forward to seeing you today. Welcome back to Canadian Brew House. Uh, we want to remind you, Talk About Tuesday means 349 tacos, and that's beef, that's a fish, and uh, also you can gordita those for another 99 cents. And here at the Canadian Brew House on Tuesday nights, which it just happens to be an Oiler game night, uh, there's also Corona specials and Jose Cuervo uh, specials as well. Also want to give a shout out to Superior Water. It's not just a name, it is Superior Water. Superior Water has two locations in Lloydminster, and they're open Sundays, Saturdays and Sundays, but especially Sundays, to make filling your big blue jugs a whole lot quicker. And if you want great tasting water right from your tap, you can call Superior Water and ask about the reverse osmosis systems. Go right underneath your sink, 780-875-6636. I drink Superior Water because I like the taste, and I believe it is Superior. Superior Water, 57th Avenue, Monday to Friday, 8 to 6, Saturdays and Sundays, 10 to 5. Plus, of course, they have a coin-operated location right beside 7-Eleven on Highway 17 South. Vince Orio is the head coach for the Holy Rosary Raiders, and he is once again a provincial champion. Vince, thanks for giving us some time today. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me on. You were saying this is the third provincial ch championship for you? This is the third for our uh, Raider program, yeah. And the first in how many years? Uh, we've won two in a row. Uh, our first one was in 2014. Okay. Okay, um... Okay, before, this is the question I get asked all the time. What happened in the league final? What, <laughs> this is, this is, I guess, a good place to start because nobody expected, I don't think anybody expected St. Paul to win, but St. Paul had a really you ever good played in St. Paul this year. <laughs> really good football team, but uh, yeah. they, they kind of surprised you in the Wheatland football final. What, what happened? You know, they, I guess the score surprised some folks, but, but the way St. Paul came out and played didn't surprise anybody on our side of the, the bowl. Maybe the kids, maybe our kids didn't prepare because the first time we played them it was 50 to 3. You know, we had a whole bunch of games that were 60 nothing and 50 nothing, and at that point in the season, we'd only allowed uh, six points against in the regular season. And then we played, you know, we played Bonneville twice, and we played a weak Wainwright team, and we had a bye. So the whole month leading up to that game, uh, our kids were, were, we were practicing, our competition in practice was harder than what was on the field. And so then we got a St. Paul team that was out for a little bit of revenge from that league game, and they showed up, they executed, took advantage of opportunities, uh, you know, we had the lead late. We had the lead. We were up by two with about a minute and 40 seconds left. We uh, scored one, but it got called back on a hole. And had we scored that, had that counted, we'd probably win the football game. But, you know, it just comes down to a few opportunities missed and, and a few opportunities gained on their part. And they, they played a good game. They're, they're a solid football team. What does that do for you and going in provincials? You lose in the league final. Does that kind of, hey, you, you win your first provincial playoff game by the score of what? 64 nothing. So, not close. No. <laughs> it's, it's, so you guys had a little spur in your, you know, your bonnet there. Yeah. After losing to St. Paul, you wanted to take it out in someone. It's a good wake-up call. Yeah. Right? You can't just put the uniform on and show up and think you're going to win. You have to You have to play. You have to perform. And we told the kids all week, you've got a huge target on your back. You've won the league a few years in a row. They're always competitive. We haven't lost a football game to St. Paul since 2013. Like, they're gunning for us. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had the right group of athletes this year to get it done. And I was kind of so cold. They have a great program. It was cold that night. Like, that might have been the coldest night of the year so far. I'm trying to think. Uh, it wasn't bad. I, I think it was like minus two or three. It might have been the coldest thing because we had such a nice fall. Yeah, we've had such a nice it, fall. We've had some windy days, but that yeah. might have been uh, one of the coldest. We had some snow. We had a bit of a blizzard in the first quarter of the semifinal against Bonneville. But temperatures weren't too bad. But yeah, the, the St. Paul night was a little chilly. It, it, but you know what? It doesn't really impact. That weather didn't impact the play. It really okay. didn't. The talk, first time we yeah. played them, it did. Yeah. It was raining and stuff. But. Talk about your team, provincial champions again, and the makeup of your team. And, and it's kind of unique. We were talking about this off camera, about your starting quarterback. The starting quarterback has yeah. a bit of a history, yeah. as his dad is Dustin Falsher, former Holy Rosary quarterback. 
Queens Golden Gales quarterback, and now his son. After how many years Dusty coaching before his son finally was in the program? Dustin started coaching at Holy Rosary in 1999. Wow. Yeah. You have to wait that long until his son is yeah. playing. That's awesome. Yeah. But what do you see a little bit, a bit of Dusty in his son? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're both students of the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dustin, he's always striving for excellence. And, and then he demands that out of all of the players, but especially Matthew. Um, I'm I'm happy for Matthew who's got his driver's license. He doesn't have to drive home for practice with his dad anymore because I'm sure he was getting an airfall. Dashboard coaching. Nobody gets coached harder. Um, But it's it's only to make uh, his son better, which which then makes our team better. Yes, Dad. Yes, Dad. Yes, Dad. Uh, But your defense. Wow. Uh, Lights out. Who's some of those leaders on defense? Yeah, Thomas Bogucki, he's uh, he's actually a Kitscotty kid, and then we, we do a joint school agreement with Kitscotty, so we got him and Maverick Coleman and Tristan Adams, and uh, Maverick's more of an old lineman, but we moved him to D-line when we needed him, and he played about the last five games there, and he was he was amazing. Thomas was great. Um, Theo Mavridis, a great 11 kid who just flies around and makes plays. And then our defensive backfield is all receivers. Oh, really? Uh, and, and most of them don't have a whole bunch of DB experience. They're receivers and, and running backs. But we thought to be competitive, we have to put our best athletes on the field. So, uh, you know, even with a roster of 44 or 45 kids, when it went from O to D, there's only three or four kids coming off the field. Wow. Uh, that's just what it takes to, uh, to compete. It's good football. Tell us about the game. Tell us about the championship game. No, I mean, we weren't really sure what to expect. Carson is uh, is a you know strong program, a lot of history, a lot of provincial championships. Uh, we saw a few Instagram videos, and their whole town is is supporting them. It's like a Friday Night Lights feel. Like they showed some videos, and there's yeah. signs on all the businesses in town saying "Go Cougars," and they had a huge send off with parents. Uh, we only had two games of film to to sort of watch and, and gauge and. In their first game of provincials, they won, I think it was 49 to 6. So you're not really seeing them get tested. It's like, well, we can see athletes. You can just see the way kids move. Their second game was uh, 33 to 8, but it really wasn't much of a game. They handled uh, Crescent Heights out of uh, Medicine Hat pretty easily. So you just look for formations, you look for, you know, what are their tendencies, and then you kind of look at, okay, who, who are the athletes? And they're, they're pretty easy to pick out. You watch how a kid runs or how they move, and you say, well, that kid's an athlete. Um, but it's just hard on film to get the actual speed of the game and the actual size of the players. So when we, you always do the eyeball test and warm up, like, okay, well, number six is smaller than I thought, so that's good. And I thought seven <laughs> was six four, but he's only maybe 5'11", so that makes me feel even a little bit better. Yeah. Quarterback, small. Um, but but they, but they try a whole bunch of really unique offensive uh, plays and formations and things that aren't really traditional. So you know it makes your defense react in, in ways that they're not used to maybe maybe playing the game. Most teams now try to spread you out. These guys, you know, they put ten guys in the box trying to run a power run game, and so we had to adjust that. And our kids did great. We stopped the run really well. They 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 broke a few a uh, few plays, got a few first downs. They threw the ball about thirty times. Uh, which which we didn't see in film. We saw them throw the ball five or six times in, in a couple of games, and they run, 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 then try to hit a deep shot. Uh, but they watched us on film and realized their probably best opportunity to beat us was in the air. But we made some adjustments, and, and the kids stepped up. Man, they play hard. They played really well. Yeah, Vince, how long have you been with the program? And you, you again, before we came on, you talked about a stat where how many, the first time you guys made it to the provincial final, some of the players on this team were in pre-K, like they were <laughs> before kindergarten, so right? We uh, we started a 12-a-side program in 2008. We made it to provincial semifinal that year. 2009, we lost in the quarter. 2010, we won the North in Tier 4 and went to provincial final and, and lost to uh, um, Arundel College. And they had uh, two-time Heck Creighton Award winner and former Stampeder as their, as their quarterback. Uh, Andrew Buckley. I think he oh. led the CFL in touchdowns one year. Yeah, he was a short yard. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, we got beat. There's lots of records, uh, Alberta Bowl records. Yeah, I, I remember that game, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then 2011 was the first year we won a Wheatland Football League yeah. final, and then we ended up losing a disappointing game up, up in Rocky Mountain House in the quarterfinal. 2012 it's the only year we didn't make the Wheatland Football League final. We've been in every year except for 2012, and we, so we didn't qualify for provincials. 
So then in 2013, uh, we went to provincials, lost uh, Drumheller, but we've been in provincial final every year since then, uh, other than 2020 when there was no football. So our, our grade 10s this year were five years old, and in kindergarten, the last time it's we amazing, were in a provincial it? championship. So it's been when, a heck of a run. When you came into the program, where was it? You know, it's not all on you. Again, I know you're very modest about that. But when you came into this program, did you ever think that this program would develop like this? And what is this? There's not a secret because if every, if everybody could do it, there would be everybody yeah. winning. But there's a bit of a formula that you have put together that's been successful. What has it been? So I think back in 2008 was our first year uh, making a move from 9 aside to 12 aside. I never coached a 9 aside game. I was in the I was at Lloyd Comp from 98 to 2008 and then went over to Holy Rosary. And we just felt with the minor football program in town going 12 aside, we needed to bring our program to 12 aside to make sure that we were retaining our kids and, and building the program. So I mean, our first ever game was against Vermillion and uh, we won, I think it was 9-7. We thought we were good. You know, we thought <laughs> we're, we're something special. And then we just continued to grow. We ended up, yeah. you know, making the league final that year. And, we lost to a pretty strong Lloyd Comp team that year. We ended up losing to them three years in a row. But the better competition you play, you know, the more you learn about where you have to be. So we start, you know, scheduling exhibition games against bigger schools and schools with, with a long history. Talk to coaches, um, see how they run their programs. We send our coaches to senior bowls in the, in the springtime, learn and watch drills and just listen to guys talk about how to develop a program. And, you know, it was just sort of borrow and steal from different places. And so well, this is what it takes. And, you know, then you start to build some momentum. You do some coaching training and, and you learn and you, you know, you start getting kids in the weight room and you get them to buy into a whole system. And so our coaches do a tremendous amount of work to, to prep in season and in the off season. But the biggest thing is get the kids to buy into that, too, and make sure that they're not just football players from August 16th to the end of November. Because if they were, they there wouldn't be an end of November. It would be an end of October, and yeah. then the season would be over. Um, we had an interview with Amadrud, who's a former Lloyd Comp Baron, playing in the U of S Huskies. Uh, prime example of football programs here in Lloyd. And I know the Holy Rosary's had players advance on to CIS, play, currently played CIS, including Tom, Tommy Cavanaugh, who was at UBC. Um, how much does that warm you, your heart to see kids finding you know, education through football. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, and, that, and that's the whole goal, right? You try to make them football players so then they have an opportunity post-secondary and, and to see all these kids at U of S and we've got kids at U of R. Uh, we went and watched um, U of S and U of A. We were supposed to play Cochrane September 15th and it got canceled due to a shortage of referees. So look, look at the CIS schedule, see U of S hosting U of A. Like, well, that's going to be a great, great, yeah. uh, great game. And Anton at quarterback and Chaz Walker, one of our graduates from last year, was dressed and played a few snaps at D-tackle. Uh, Lucas Seffern, one of our offensive linemen, was dressed. Uh, so it's, it's great to get out there and watch these guys. And, um, they're going to get an education. They're going to get you know a whole bunch of life experience and make a whole bunch of connections and of all these football memories for the rest of your life. Lloyd Minor football uh, has come in such a far from where it started to where it is now, and you can see the success through the Barons, through the Raiders with it. Um, I know there's a guy above us that's yeah. probably watching in, yeah. and Rod Kirby. When you guys won there, there's a little bit of Rod Kirby there, isn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. My uh, my day. Uh, uh, the program I use or the booklet I use to carry all our game day uh, stuff has leave it all on the field, you know, RK with his initials on it. Yeah. So, yeah, he's with us all the time. You yeah. know, and, and we, and I, I miss standing on the sidelines and kind of swearing on my, under my breath watching James play and it's minus 25 with a wind chill and, and Rod and I sitting on yeah. the sidelines watching it. And, uh, yeah, he, what he did for football in this town, uh, you can't even put it into words. No, he, he loved it, and uh, he had passion for it, and he instilled that passion in every kid that he coached, and even the kids he coached against. He, he had tremendous respect for opponents, for the coaches, and he really just wanted to build the sport. Uh, it was He was all heart. Rod was all heart. His name came up today when I when I talked to Anton Amner. His name came up. So, um, seniors, how, what, what's, what are you losing for next year? We're only graduating four starters. Wow. And uh, oh. about, about six or seven kids. Uh, 
Watch uh, out, St. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we got we got a whole bunch of kids coming back next year. We we anticipate that you know they're going to get bigger and stronger, and there's some really good kids coming out of Bantam too. We can fill some holes with some grade 10 kids, and uh, we have a bunch of kids that didn't get a whole bunch of playing time this year too that are you know going to be chomping at the bit for some spots. So we really like the place we're heading into next year. Thanks, Vince. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Always talk, love talking about football. Awesome. And uh, here at the Canadian Brewhouse course, it's the Oilers and the Las Vegas Golden Knights. You come down and watch the game. It's Talk About Tuesday, and we remind you that the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan has moved. We're outside of town now, but we're not that far out of town. And right now, if you're looking for a new set of tires, I know it got a little slick the other day, tires at cost at the new Lloyd Minster Nissan. We want to thank our guests again. We want to thank Brendan Escott, former Lloyd Minster resident now with 630 Ched. I want to thank Anton Amadrud and of course Vince Oriel for joining us today as well at the Canadian Brew House and uh, did work out with Jorgen Hoos today but we're gonna he said anytime boys anytime we, we might we actually was our fault we couldn't connect with yeah Jordan. it's been it one of those actually, days for me yeah yeah it was a busy day yeah. for you and I was with the well, I missed the Regional Foundation live stream, which goes till 9 o'clock tonight as well. So we kind of let Jorgen down. It wasn't that Jorgen let us down. Bruce, if you're watching, sorry about that. It was that we let him down. But he said anytime, boys. So we'll look forward to that. And uh, stay tuned for a big announcement from the Riders tomorrow. If the media is correct, they'll announce Buck Pierce tomorrow. Enjoy the Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights here at the Canadian Brewhouse tonight.